Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Friends, welcome to the show. This is your host, Jeremiah, and we have a great program on tap for you today. And let me remind you right at the beginning to be sure and connect with me on social media. I want to stay in touch with you. If you love this broadcast, you will love connecting with our ministry, Christian Thinker Society. And don't forget, the mission of our ministry is to inspire every Christian to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, according to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, inspiring Christians and pastors, by the way, to be thinkers and thinkers to be Christian. You can connect with me on social media on Twitter and Instagram, at underscore Jeremiah J. And definitely over at our Facebook page, which is Christian Thinkers Society. Why would I want you to connect with me on social media? We have hundreds of videos up on our social media and our YouTube page. You can use these in your Bible studies. You can use these in your own personal discipleship time. So definitely connect with that. Just hit the like button on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, and definitely utilize these wonderful tools that we have put together for you. I want to go right to the questions right now. And don't forget, you can ask me a question at any time by either dialing our studio line. That's 877-933-2484. You can even text that number. Or if you're listening in the podcast or listening at a later date, you can definitely email me your question at askjjj.com. Now, we'll leave about two minutes before I break, but I want to jump right into a question that I actually received from Lee. She writes, I love God and I want to tell people about him, especially my family. But when I want to, I just get nervous and I don't know how. How can I overcome this fear of sharing my faith? Well, Lee, thank you so much for your question. Thanks for submitting it to me over at AskJJJ.com. First thing I want to tell you is you're not alone. There are so many of us who the very first time we tell someone about Jesus or share our faith with somebody, it can be a nervous experience. But the Bible promises that God will strengthen us every time we speak about him. And what I want to remind you is, number one, the scriptures command us to tell people about Jesus. So you're following a biblical precedent, but God doesn't just throw you out there by yourself to do it. He equips you to do it. Don't forget Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus gives us the Great Commission. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. 1 Peter 3.15 says that we're to love God so much that we can give a reason for the hope that's within us. And don't forget, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And Romans 1.16, it promises us we should never be ashamed of the gospel. So I compliment you for not being ashamed of the gospel and for wanting to witness. There's so much more we can get into, but friends, we've got to take a break. I am back with our guest, David Limbaugh. We're going to be discussing all kinds of interesting things you're not going to want to switch the station because David has just come out with a brand new best-selling book on the life of Paul in the New Testament. So stay with us. This is the Jeremiah Johnston Show.
Friends, welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'm your host, Jeremiah. Welcome everybody listening from across the Faith Radio Network and especially all of our pastors who are listening to us. Thank you so much for all the pastors we're hearing from. And again, friends, thanks so much for subscribing to the uh, podcast as well. And thanks for those great reviews. This is the program uh, that equips you to be a contender for the faith and to do what the scripture says every one of us should be able to do. Not just a few Delta Force Christians like the gentleman I'm getting ready to speak to, but every believer is commanded first in 1 Peter three fourteen not to have fear. We don't fear our culture. We don't fear questions because we're always ready to give a comfortable answer, a reasonable defense for our faith. And somebody who is doing that so well right now in the public sphere is our guest today, David Limbaugh. David is such an excellent man. He's a fantastic human being. He's a good Midwesterner, (laughs) as I am. Um, And friends, he's just released a book that is literally number one in all the categories. It's called Jesus is Risen. Now, you've probably read David Limbaugh because he is a syndicated columnist. He's on the media frequently. He's a great speaker as well, um, and he's an attorney, so he's busy. He has a business life as well, but he has taken, um, he's fused together all these gifts that God has given him, and he produces these fabulous texts that, um, dare I say, are scholarly texts. I don't want to scare anyone away, but they definitely have the undergirding of a scholar, but what he does so well is he has the ability to make things very understandable with no prerequisites. David, I welcome you to the show. Thanks for joining us today. It's my honor. Thank you so much for having me. David, I want to begin with your personal story, because for some in our audience, and about 60% of our audience are women, um, they may not be familiar with some of your writings before uh, today. And so I want to give an opportunity for you to set the context in your own spiritual journey. And I've heard you speak before, and I want to just give you this quote, because I think it feeds right into your testimony. I've, I've talked about in one of my books, Ludwig Feuerbach, who famously said in the 19th century, Uh, that man made God in his image and not the other way around. How does that factor into your testimony? That's interesting because I think I even said that. Maybe I subconsciously stole it from you, maybe even before you wrote it, or he wrote it, or maybe (laughs) I did. I don't know. But I think I said that in one of these books that um, what I tried to do is I I was a skeptic as a young adult. I was raised in a Christian family in a church, and it was great, but it just didn't sink in with me. For some reason, maybe I was inattentive, unserious, whatever. But I became a pretty ardent seeker in my 20s, and I just kept looking to find something that would help me. Because uh, I wanted to be a believer, to be honest with you. I knew it was the right team to be on to, in, in the vernacular, and I don't mean that in any blasphemous way. I just mean sure. in the vernacular. I knew that Christianity was right, but I couldn't intellectually uh, believe it yet. And the irony is that I really hadn't ever given it a chance. I mean, mm. I, I, I didn't know about the Bible. I didn't affirmatively reject the Bible because I hadn't ever read it or studied it. Um, and I had problems, with, and I'll, we'll go into some of that later, but I had some doubts, and I started reading apologetics. I don't know if you remember the – this is an older guy, uh, procedure, dad sees me, um, Paul Little, Know yes. What and Why You Believe, two different books, and they were consolidated. And I found that in the – Canterbury Cathedral, I think it was in London when I was visiting with my grandfather in the early 30s and visiting the courts in England. Uh, My Mm. grandfather's a lawyer, practiced till he was 103. My dad was a lawyer, my was a lawyer. And so I was fascinated by that. And and what he said made total sense, uh, but I that made intellectual sense, but I still didn't overcome my doubt. Um, I remember reading smatterings of 
Josh McDowell's evidence that demands a verdict that's now come out in revised form with Sean, his son. Sean is a great guy. Uh, and I just I, I kept studying and seeking, and I couldn't quite overcome my doubts. And um, one, I, the divinity of Christ and the rest of it, I just didn't get it. So I went to this prayer breakfast, CBNC, I think, or CNBC, whatever, Christian, Christian Men's Business Conference, and in my hometown, and they had a speaker there, Dave Dervecki, who was a former yes. baseball player, and he lost his arm to cancer, and he was a, he gave a great, inspired speech, but that didn't get me anywhere either. I thought it was impressive, but they left cards at the end of the talk. If you want to learn more about Jesus Christ, please sign this card, and I thought, oh, man, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to be around a bunch of scolds and all that, and, <laughs> but I, I signed it. What? I guess the Holy Spirit prompted me to sign it. I signed it, began to meet in a small group, and we went through this pamphlet called First Steps. And it it, it instilled, and it's a pretty simple, but it was basic, about the the divinity of Christ, the authenticity, the reliability of the scriptures. But I'll tell you what really got me to the point where I could no longer deny intellectually that the Bible's true and that Jesus is who he says he is, and that was the Messianic prophecies. That just mm. blew me away. And so I can just, you define that for uh, one then, minute, David? Can you define when you yeah. say messianic prophecy? Just for the for we have a, a lot of new believers who listen to this broadcast. Can you just uh, give a footnote on that for a moment? Yes, there's there are a lot of places in the Old Testament where the Old Testament prophets uh, would allude, make certain allusions, and some are very specific, like Isaiah, and they describe Christ's passion on the cross, for example, and this is hundreds and thousands, in some cases thousands of years, or 700 years before Christ was even born, uh, or Micah 5, 2, that the Messiah would come, be born in Bethlehem, and there are various things, but if you, I'll give you an example, uh, and I put this in my one of my books, where uh, a guy was, uh, went up to a, a Salvation Army uh, speech, I'm trying to remember who, who the speaker was, Ironside, I think it was uh, Reverend Ironside, and he uh, this guy was a skeptic, and he was in the back of the room, and he always left before the sermons were over. And Ironside noticed it. So one time he came and he tried to corner him so he couldn't get out. I, I don't mean physically corner him, but he said, okay, I'm going to get to the bottom. So why, what is this person leaving for? And so he had a conversation with this guy. He said he just couldn't get himself to believe the New Testament seemed foreign to him. But if if he could just read, he says, Isaiah is so beautiful. If I could just If I could just read that and believe in Jesus Christ, uh, I would, I would be a Christian. And mm. so he, he asked, he turned to Isaiah 52, I think, or whatever, and it was whatever the, the 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 verse is, and he asked him to read it and tell him who it was describing. And the guy started reading it, and he burst out in tears and he ran out of the room. Wow! Because he was so emotionally drained. And finally, anyway, long story short, he, it was undeniable to this man that this was describing in intimate detail the passion of Christ. So my point is when you – there's so many. There's hundreds of messianic points in the Old Testament pointing to Christ. In fact, I wrote a whole book, the, the Emmaus Code, about how in the many ways the Old Testament points to Jesus, not just the prophecies, the covenants and, and everything else. And uh, I, the types and the figure, I, I just think it's so amazing. And you see the Bible is integrated. And some people say, well, you, you rely on the Bible, and there's no external proof. Well, the Bible is internally self-proving, for one thing. But there's so much, there's an overwhelming body of evidence affirming the truth of Christianity. So that even if I do have some 
lingering doubts from time to time. I know that the overwhelming body of evidence that's real, objective evidence is so strongly in favor uh, of the reality of Jesus Christ being who he says he is, that I know that it's something that, that is with me that is out of phase, not with the Bible. And so I, I, I don't ultimately have doubts that I can't uh, reconcile. Mm, mm. Friends, if you're just joining us, my guest today is David Limbaugh, lawyer, nationally syndicated col- columnist, and best-selling author. You probably recognize his last name, brother of Rush Limbaugh. And David, you can follow him at Twitter, and if you're not following him, you're really missing out, because David, you're always dropping wisdom on Twitter, and I want to encourage our entire <laughs> audience to follow him right now, at David Limbaugh. And we've just Thank scratched you. the surface, friends. Um, he's sharing his story of how he came to faith in Christ. We're going to continue that in 90 seconds on the other side of this break. I'm also going to be asking David about this fantastic new book, Jesus is Written, Risen, which is a tour de force on Paul in the early church. If you really are ready to get excited in your Christian life, there's so much that we can learn that he has written in this book that apply to us today. We're going to be discussing that in 90 second friends. And don't forget, you can send me your questions at askjjj.com. This is the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Back with you in a moment. Welcome back. David Limbaugh is our guest today. He's joining us in his book that has just been released, Jesus is Risen, published by Regnery. It's number one in every category. It's on Paul in the early church. And David, just thinking about your publishing the last few years, this is really the fourth book. I mean, can we call it a series, these books that you've done? Uh, What's the big idea behind not just Jesus is Risen, but how these have gone so well with the other books that you've written? Well, these these books are my Christian-themed books, and I wrote five political books first, and this is my fourth Christian-themed book. They are designed to be a primer on certain different books of the Bible. The, the True Jesus was the Gospels. This book is on Acts and six of the Apostle Paul's epistles, uh, the, the ones we, he, he is believed to have written first, the chronological order as opposed to the canonical order. And I I wanted to give people a sense of the history, that Christianity is grounded in history. It's not just some idea that man made, that man concocted from the ground up, from man to God, and formed God, back to your point, dovetailing, formulated God in his own image. And that's what I think I did before I gave the Bible a chance. Uh, What's an ideal God? What do I think God is? And Mm. and so I would form God, an idea of God in my own mind, never having uh, availed myself of the revelation. God has already spoken to us. He tells us who he is. I mean, what a, what a, uh, I don't want to say, call myself a fool, but I kind of was not availing myself of that. And so my book is designed, my books in this uh, series are designed to familiarize people with the books of the Bible themselves and have a running commentary, help to explain what the the verses, the various verses mean. And uh, then with the ultimate goal, recognizing that my books are not Holy Scripture, they're not inspired. They are books about a book that is inspired. The ultimate goal is to excite people, inspire in them a hunger to read the Bible for themselves. Because when I became a Christian, when I finally turned the corner and became a believer and placed my faith in Jesus Christ, I was so on fire for the Bible because I I realized I'm holding the Bible, and it hit me. 
I've been alive 30-something years, and I didn't realize that I have access to the God of the universe. He's actually – and some Mm. people complain about God being invisible and inaccessible. Well, he – forget prayer for a minute where we can reach him there. We have this tangible Bible, the living Word of God, which speaks to each individual in in a specific, tailored way, even though it's the same words that are unchanging. This Bible is absolutely inerrant. And it is the words of the living God that are also living. They're alive on the page. And it's, it's like there's a mystical chemistry. I don't mean to sound weird about it because I don't, I don't incline toward mysticism. But I do believe this book is so amazingly divine. And so I'm sitting there holding that book in my hands going, getting goosebumps. I, you know, you can't believe it. This is the word. Oh, my gosh. I can't. So I got to gobble it up as fast as I can. I want to inhale it, but I don't know where to start. I don't. So I, I had some good mentors that I acquired along the way. But I thought to myself, I sure wish I would have had access to something, mm-hmm. some books that would have helped me. Now, those books exist, but I wish I would have had something that kind of put it all together in, a, in lay terms. So what I've tried to do, because I come from a background of skepticism, um, write these books uh, in a way that uh, I would appeal to myself if I were still in that position. People who are situated in the place that I was then – I want to speak to them in lay terms, but yet I want to dig, dig deeply too. give them more than just superficial knowledge and, and orient them to the basics, kind of like a primer, teach them about the Bible. But again, once they learn, once they get a taste for it, and then they're no longer intimidated and afraid to read it. My goal is that they're going to be blown away when they actually go to Scripture itself and finally give it a chance. Fabulous. And friends, you're just if you're just joining us on Faith Radio Network, this is the Jeremiah Johnston Show. And our guest today is my esteemed colleague and friend, David Limbaugh. I say colleague because he is truly known now as an apologist, a defender of the faith throughout the Christian community. And David, I have several questions about your excellent book I'm holding in my hand. And thank you for autographing it to me. Jesus is Risen. Yes, that was just released. Uh, but I want to ask you for a minute if I can, to just give some hope to people who are listening to us right now. Because one of the things that I find inspiring here, you know, you grew up in a great family, you you grew up in a Christian family, but you still had to come to the point of owning your own faith. You did that. And now here you are as a lawyer, you're a businessman, you're a lawyer, you're practicing, and yet you're honoring the Lord with, dare I say, this ministry of books and writing and and just such wonderful thoughts through Twitter. I mean, you are truly a defense of the faith, uh, you're doing a lot more than there are the pastors. And I, I'm not comparing, but I just think you have, you know, gosh, if a layman can do this, you know, it's so powerful, uh, your testimony. And can you just speak for a moment to the person who's in the pew right now who just may feel underutilized? Um, and, and what it was about your life where you said, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to start really using the gifts that God's given me. Well, that's interesting you say it because part of me is torn. I, I feel a little bit presumptuous holding myself out as an authority, and, and I, I think I'm pretty careful actually not to hold myself out as an authority. But I do think that the Bible is accessible to all men, and yes. uh, some some faiths have played hide the ball with the Bible, I think, but but we don't. And, and I think it's accessible to all of us, and whatever gifts we have, uh, we have, I believe, a, a duty of obedience to be to be to minister in whatever area we can. I've always loved to write, and I've loved to study and research, and so I took whatever skills I had in those areas and applied it to uh, evangelism. And I realized that that um, I'm no scholar in the in the real strict sense of the term, but I think I've been blessed with 
um, and I say this humbly because it's a, a gift of, of discernment where mm-hmm. I think I can discern between what is legitimate, what's out there, what's cockeyed, what's mainstream, what's trustworthy. Now, not in every case. I mean, there's some things like uh, the new perspective on Paul. I don't believe that, although there, I'm sure there's the NT right thing. There's some stuff that's valuable in that. But my instinct tells me that's a little bit uh, dangerous to, to, to rework Paul. You may disagree, but I don't, I don't intend to get in detail of that. But I, I, I generally have a pretty good antenna about what's trustworthy, and I think I have had through because I was properly mentored. And um, so I, I just feel like through all this study, I want to share what I've learned because there is so much out there. In fact, one thing, Jeremiah, people say, gosh, you've written this book, and why didn't other people write stuff like this? And I say, yes, I love that because they actually think I'm the first one to do it. <laughs> but, 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 the tr- but the truth is, no, I just happen to have access to it because I dug – I have Logos Bible software, and plus before that I had all these hard and soft covers where I read there is so much wonderful Christian literature out there, apologetics literature. Uh, and it, people but, – but what I realize is people do not have access to it. They could, but they don't. Therefore, the service I can provide, I think, is placing, putting these things uh, in understandable terms to the extent I'm capable of it and also heavily footnoting it. So I, they can go to these references to learn more if they want to dig deeper. And so whatever gifts I have, I, I just feel like I had a duty to use, and I had a passion to, to use and to share. Some people are, are much better, and I, I credit these people far more than what I do. The people who go on mission trips and who are servants, uh, I, I, I have so much admiration for those people. I don't think what I do is nearly as noble, if noble at all, as what – people who are sacrificially serving like that do. And I really admire them. So I'm not patting myself on the back, but I will join with you in encouraging people who have gifts and are not using them because they think it would be presumptuous for them to hold out, hold themselves out as uh, in some leadership or some evangelistic role. We're all called to be evangelists. This can right. only work in terms of exponential numbers if we all become evangelists in whatever capacity we can. So fabulous, friends. My guest today is David Limbaugh. I want to encourage you right now to connect with him on social media, at David Limbaugh on Twitter, and just join his Twitter conversation. Great commentary. Continue to read uh, not only this excellent book I'm holding in my hand, Jesus is Risen, but you'll see him as a syndicated columnist. In 90 seconds, I have, I'm gonna, we're going to do a deep dive into his book with our next segment because I have so many questions related to the book of Acts, related to just excellent perspective that David not only shares about what the Bible says, but what it says to us today and the culture that we're in. I also want to talk to David about biblical literacy, what he's seeing and what we can do to combat it. So friends, uh, stay with us and don't forget you can submit your questions to me, www.askjjj. This is the program that doesn't tell you how to think, but encourages you to think for yourself, to be a critical thinker. We, we, lear- we, uh, we learn from everyone, but nobody thinks for us. We love God with all our mind, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Friends, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment.
And welcome back to the broadcast. This is the Jeremiah Johnston Show. You know, in many ways, it's an exciting time to be a Christian, but also in many ways, it's more difficult. We're living in a unique time in that we have the smartest Christians of all time. And what I mean by that, we have the most educated body of Christ uh, that we have known in, in the history of Christendom. We have so many people, not only with degrees, but self-educated, self-taught. And yet, David, we have the most biblically illiterate generation in our pews right now. I did a poll in my class. I've, I've shared this, I think, on the broadcast before. I was teaching an Old class, Old Testament class at a Christian Division I university, and only one of 37 of my students could even tell me who Billy Graham was. Most thought Billy Graham preached the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, it is interesting <laughs> the times we're living in. And you said in the, fi- in the last segment, we have all these great tools out there, and, and your book being one of them, Jesus is Risen, that I have in my hand. And it reminds me of a Wall Street Journal article, I, and I try to read the journal every day. I saw recently that we have more cookbooks now in circulation. I mean, my wife buys a cookbook, I think, every other week, and yet we have more people who are eating out. We're not actually cooking. That really reminds me of what's happening right now in the body of Christ. We have so many great materials out there, but we are not availing ourselves of them. We are not being Christian thinkers. We are not loving God with all our mind, and so then we get so confused. What do you think about biblical illiteracy? What are you seeing in our nation? And encourage us for a moment how we can turn back the tide. Well, I see there's uh, cultural influences, atheistic, uh, secular, leftism, political correctness, uh, postmodernism, all the things that attack truth, and not just religious truth, but truth itself. And we have the, the uh, phenomenon, phenomenon of secretism, uh, where mm-hmm. people intermix religions and conflate and combine uh, other religions with Christianity, for example, and say, I can be, you can be a Christian, you can follow who you want, I can follow Islam. They've got this new religion called Chrislam, where you can coordinate yeah. the two or combine the two. And I say that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me, meaning he's the way and the truth and the life. There is no other way. There's not any slower way or faster way. There is no other way. And this, I'm not trying to be strident that this is the only way and, and all the other religions are bad. What I'm saying is that it's a lie to say they can be reconciled. And, and you can respect all the, the religions all you want, but don't uh, serve up the lie that other religions are compatible with, with Christianity unless they uh, acknowledge that Jesus and faith in Jesus is the only way to remission of your sins and everlasting life. It simply is intellectually dishonest. And it's morally negligent and reckless to send people astray on a matter that affects their eternal destiny. I think in this culture, people want, because of pride and other things, they want to be their own God. They're wise in their own eyes. There has to be some humility. And, and uh, I think the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And, yes. and, and that's not just a cliche. It's biblical. And it means you have to, uh, you have, to have reverence for God. You have to have some acknowledgement that you're not God yourself in order to want to learn about the God, of, the creator God of the universe. And so we see these influences in the church. Uh, and, and by the way, they, they occurred during uh, uh, Paul's time at the beginning of the church in Corinthians, all these uh, sexual immorality in Corinth and all that. So we have a repeat, a history repeats itself because human nature never changes. But you're right. It's kind of a weird polarization. We've got a polarity of brilliance on the academic side and people are brilliant but in the pews people aren't learning and i think and i'll shut up after this 
people we're, we're too anxious to please the culture and please our fellow man so we conform the church to the culture instead of the culture to the church and as a result you're diluting the gospel and it's a shame well said my guest today is david limbaugh and i'm holding in my hand his book jesus is risen and he begins with a trip to damascus he goes through the book of acts and then the uncontested pauline letters friends there are certain letters that uh bible scholars uh doubt if Paul, I'm not one of them, by the way, wrote these things. But what I love about this um, is these are the books that even skeptics will agree on without a doubt. That's the authorship of the Apostle Paul. And I love that as a resurrection scholar, because uh, among that is 1 Corinthians 15, I think the most important uh, chapter in the entire Bible on the resurrection of Jesus. I want to talk to you about the explosion. I just I love teaching Luke Acts, David. So, I mean, there's so many things I would love to discuss with you with this great work that you've written for us. But, you know, Every sermon in the book of Acts talks about the resurrection of Jesus. There was something about the resurrection that empowered the ministry of Paul. It empowered the ministry of the early apostles and disciples. I think sometimes as Christians um, that we can be guilty of, oh, you know, that's just something cerebral, the resurrection. That doesn't really empower me today. Talk to us about the place of the resurrection and the explosion of the church and then how that can energize our walk with Christ today. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know if I said this before, but uh, Christian, the, the Christian church wasn't formed by a bunch of philosophers, abstract thinkers who, who developed a philosophy and a theology that they thought was plausible. It was grounded in the historical fact of the resurrection. And until Christ uh, was resurrected and appeared for 40 days among different people at different times, showing himself to be actual physical I mean, he had a physical and spiritual body, but you're more of an expert on that. But that's a fascinating concept, uh, thought itself. But he ate with them. Uh, he drank. He touched them. They knew he was physical, uh, yet he transcended the laws of nature, which is what makes it spirit so so fascinating. But anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked. But this really happened in history. And yes. so the Christian faith is grounded in history, and the development of the Christian faith is grounded in history, the book of Acts and Paul and these guys really doing it. And so I think this should inspire us because they were transformed. These early disciples uh, turned apostles were transformed from cowards who denied Jesus to uh, until they actually saw the resurrection body. Uh, they denied him and they became the bold proclaimers of the gospel. And, and we have the benefit of their story in the, mm. in the inspired word of God. And we, we can have the confidence that what the Bible tells us is true. It's inerrant. And every bit of it is God-inspired. And we know the story. We know about their doubts. And we know it's authentic, among other reasons, because they tell their own embarrassing, self-damning stories. That's right. And their warts and all. That's another great apologetic point. But we ought to be inspired by these people. They were ordinary people that Jesus plucked out of ordinary jobs and, and, and made them disciples. And we all can do the same thing, to dovetail the point you made a minute ago. David, talk to me for a moment. I, I love chapter six in your book on Galatians, freedom in Christ. And friends, again, because we, rele- we read the Bible with so much historical distance, because we don't read the Bible with first century eyes, we can gloss over certain passages and we don't realize um, some of these words could even be seditious <laughs> in the context in which they were written. And I'm thinking right now, David, of Galatians 3.28, when Paul gave that masterful, masterful word, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's yeah. neither male nor female, we're all one in Christ Jesus. Talk about the impact that made, uh, what you say in your book, and what impact that made in, in, across the Mediterranean world. 
Well, the, 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 there is no longer, while, while God picked the Jews specially to be his chosen people, to, to be the repository of the law and from whom to bring the Messiah, uh, and they serve their purpose as holy mediators, holy priests and mediators of the gospel, ultimately to bless through Abraham's offspring all of mankind through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, there was no longer any discrimination. In, in, in God's eyes, in Christ's eyes, we're all equal. We all start at the same point. You don't get any brownie points for your ethnicity or your gender. It's all about, it's nothing about what you've done. You cannot save yourself based on your works. You can only save yourself by faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ. And, and from the starting point, we're all equal. But I think also an interesting thing about Galatians that you raise is freedom in Christ. That used to be a paradox to me. How can Christianity make you free? Christianity, are, are, Christians are a bunch of scolds. They make you, they never have any fun. What well, finally dawned on me, uh, when you read Scripture more, which is another benefit of reading Scripture, is to understand what freedom in Christ is, is liberation from the bondage of sin. When yes. somebody is bound to sin, that's when they're real. Look at addicts who are bound. Who, they can't get off it. They are totally slaves to whatever addiction they have. And that's true of all of us. We're slaves to whatever we do. We're either You can't have two masters. You're either a slave to the world or you're a slave to Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, when you're when you're uh, a slave to Jesus Christ, you are free in Christ's love, and you actually live to a higher standard. But you don't do it uh, because you're required to follow laws. You do it out of love and obedience. But you serve a higher cause and a higher calling, and it, it's really glorious when you think about the, the master plan. Friends, our guest today has been David Limbaugh, and I want to encourage you to get his book, Jesus is Risen. And it's just a fabulous, fabulous uh, book to, to carry right along with your Bible reading. Take it with you to your Bible study. Final question, David, I ask all of our guests because I've received thousands of questions myself. Um, and Jesus asked over 300 questions in the Gospels. Uh, what's been your top unanswered question in your faith journey? Well, I don't know if it's unanswered, but it's the one that always nags at me, and that is, uh, the issue of eternal damnation, you know, an all-loving God mm. uh, uh, allowing or presiding over the eternal punishment of people instead of let's okay, let's punish the heck out of them and then let them let them uh, let them go and let them be free. Now I've reconciled that uh, for myself after many many years, but I'm going to tell you that was the toughest thing, and that might have been one of my biggest barriers to belief. Uh, to reconcile the idea of an all-loving God with a God who at least in his permissive will allow people to be separated from him in eternity. And you can, I'm sure you can articulately answer that, but you asked me to be honest. That's the one that kind of bothered me. So powerful. David, thank you so much for sharing that with our audience and friends. And with all of our guests, you can go back and listen to our catalog of shows and hear other unanswered questions. Like I say in every program, vulnerability is the new superpower to reach people for Jesus Christ. So, David, thank you so much. Uh, Gosh, our time has just flown by on this program. Can you come back and be a regular guest on this radio show? I'd love to from time to time. I, I can't commit to a specific spot, but I'd love to do it from time to time if we can we, do it. We will do it. We will find it where it works for you. I, I just so appreciate your love for Christ. I appreciate the example you are for the body. Thank you for this excellent new book, Jesus is Risen. And we wish you very well with all your endeavors, David. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. It's a great interview. Thank you so much for all your kind words. And friends, don't don't worry. I'll be back in a moment, 90 seconds. I'll be taking your questions. You've been emailing them to me at askjjj.com. Back in a moment. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Jeremiah. This is the program that shows you that questions are good as long as we're constantly pursuing answers to those questions and we're not allowing them to cause spiritual and emotional and mental paralysis. I want to go right to your questions. I have a question here from Cole that was submitted on AskJJJ.com. Cole writes, Jeremiah, I sinned a lot before I became a Christian and I hurt a lot of people. Now that I'm a Christian, I know God forgives me and I pray daily for that. But the people in my past are not as quick to do so. How can I learn to get over my past that still haunts me? Cole, thank you so much for submitting this question. You are not alone. Forgiveness is such an interesting concept, and we really cannot know true forgiveness without knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so you've made the greatest, most important decision to embrace Christ as your Savior, to receive forgiveness of sin, past, present, and future eternally. But Cole, what I've noticed so often in our Christian lives, we understand that Jesus forgives us of our sins, but we have so much difficulty forgiving ourselves. What is it about the enemy that he can be so effective reminding us of our past failures? And I just want to remind you of some scripture passages that I keep close to my heart. I review these passages in my devotional life. I I review these in my spiritual journey. They were reviewed to me. They were given to me by a mentor when I first became a Christian. I want to pass these along to you because you're asking specifically, how can I learn to let go of that past that still haunts me? Well, the Bible says you can't do it alone. The scripture says, though, in Psalm chapter 130, verse 3, if I love this. I mean, just imagine the psalmist in your mind saying this. If you, O Lord, would keep a record of sin, Lord, who could stand? And Cole, that scripture tells us that if God could keep a record of everyone's sins, nobody could stand up righteously because all, as the Bible says in Romans, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Here's another interesting passage, Psalm chapter 103, verse 12. It actually says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So the moment that we ask Jesus to forgive us, it's beautiful because 1 John 1, 9 says that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's even the sins that perhaps we can't even remember we committed, but Jesus still forgives us of those. I love Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. I love this because we don't actually know who wrote the book of Hebrews. I, che- I teach the what's called the books spoken against. Hebrews is among those. It's called the Anti-Legomena, if you want to get all seminary crazed with me. But the book of Hebrews, we actually don't know who the author is. Uh, but he does quote Isaiah forty-three twenty-four, where the scriptures, quoting God, says, I will remember your sins no more. And so, Cole, the Bible says that God will forgive, he will blot out, he will separate our sins as far as the east is from the west, never to return them on us. It's amazing to us that when Peter in the gospel says, Lord, How many times should I forgive my brother? And do you remember what Jesus said? Seventy times seven. When Peter thought he was being a really righteous fellow, saying, God, should I forgive them seven times, Master? Jesus said, no, seventy times seven. Never forget what C.S. Lewis says. We can forgive others because the worst part of us has been forgiven. And I think those who have been forgiven of much love much. That's also a scriptural principle. Some of the greatest Christians in the church today are people that have been forgiven of much. And so I want you to remind yourself of these scriptures every single day. I stand as a child of the King. Jesus Christ has indeed forgiven me, so therefore I can forgive myself. Now, 
Let's talk about the other side of your question. And I, I really believe right now in my heart this is ministering to so many others because, Cole, behind this question, I've received hundreds like it, literally. You say, you know, how do I deal with all the other people in my life, perhaps people you've directly hurt or wronged, who you say are not as quick to forgive you? Well, guess what? I understand that because... Every time we make a decision, or perhaps if you make a bad decision, those decisions have consequences. Of course, God forgives us immediately and eternally, but those decisions have consequences. And I always say this to my students. I say this in the classes that I teach. I say this in the churches where I have the privilege to speak in. Trust and respect is something that has to be earned. It's not given to us. Um, I'm not given the opportunity to speak. I earn the right to be on someone's platform. I earn the right to be a thought leader in a Christian movement. I earn the right to be a good, godly husband. I earn the right to have trust with my kids as a godly father, and I earn it every single day. And so I just want to remind you that we have to earn it, okay? So keep doing what you know to be doing. Honor God with your life. Follow the scriptural principles, those spiritual disciplines that make us not only righteous before God, but give us that peaceful standing among our fellow humans and our fellow believers, our fellow neighbors, even those outside of the faith. I also want to remind you of what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Paul writes, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so, Time is a great healer. Sometimes it's great. It's okay to have space from people and just give them time to heal, especially if you were the offender. But without a doubt, make no mistake, as long as it's up to you, Cole, live at peace with everybody. Put those individuals in God's hands. Make today count. We can't change yesterday. And I want everyone to listen to my voice, what I'm saying right now. We learn from the past, but we do not live there. We learn from the past. We don't live there. We learn from the past, we don't live there, and we build for the future. I emphasize that three times because so many of you listening to my voice right now, you have become a prisoner to your past. You're allowing your past to define you. Stop doing that. Jesus has forgiven you. His blood was shed on a cross for you to forgive you. He has a dynamic plan for your life. We serve a God of the second, third, fourth, and fifth chance, and Cole what I love about your question is you're not the only one who struggles with this. Everyone does. It shows me the sincerity of your heart that you truly want to walk with the Lord because you're concerned about those that you've hurt or offended. But it also reminds us of the beauty and the power of forgiveness. Now, I write about this in my book, Unimaginable, where I really seek out unimaginable what the world would be like without Christianity. We see the, what the difference forgiveness does in the world. And we see this as the Jesus factor in the world. And so... Be a great forgiver, be quick to forgive people, and without a doubt, remind the enemy of those passages that I shared with you, and make sure you forgive yourself, because God has already done it. I'm going to be back with some further thoughts. Thanks so much for these questions, and don't forget, you can always submit them at askjjj.com. More of your questions back in a moment. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is your host, Jeremiah, welcoming everyone listening from across Faith Radio Network. If you've missed any of today's broadcast, the Q&A section, the wonderful conversation we just enjoyed with David Limbaugh, go, go ahead and listen to it on the podcast. 
We have so many people that are tuning in, not only live on Faith Radio Network, but who are subscribing and joining and linking to our podcast. So don't forget, you can always listen to this broadcast on demand. So let me encourage you to do that. Friends, next weekend, we have a very interesting show. I want to make sure that you set a calendar and remind yourself that next Saturday, I'm actually going to be interviewing two archaeologists and a historical Jesus scholar all at the same time. We're going to be doing it live from the Bible Seminary in Houston, Texas. I have joining me all the way from Jerusalem. He's flying in for events, and one of them is this program, Eli Shukron. And Eli Shukron is an Israeli archaeologist. He's an excavator. He's a scholar. He's a licensed tour guide of the ancient remains of Jerusalem. Get this, he's done excavations extensively in the city of David. He's been one of the leading experts on archaeology of the city of Jerusalem. He's discovered and directed the excavation of the Pool of Siloam. You've probably heard of that from the Gospels. He's discovered and directed excavations of the Jerusalem Pilgrim Road from the Second Temple era. We're going to have so much fun talking to him about the Bible lands archaeology and what's happening and how this corroborates Scripture. Also joining us is the provost of the Bible Seminary, a good friend of mine by the name of Dr. Scott Stripling. He himself has been actively involved in ministry since the age of 18. That's 36 years ago, Scott. <laughs> Scott has also served as the provost, uh, as I already mentioned, at the Bible Seminary. And he does two different digs a year. He's the director of excavations for the Associates, Associates of Biblical Research at Kirbet el Makader at the Shiloh, Israel. And Scott, he's also a sought-after speaker. He's an amazing archaeologist, so, so much to add. And then also joining us is Professor Craig Evans, who's the John Bassanio Distinguished Professor of Christian Origins at Houston Baptist University. I have so many things that I want to discuss with them, just based out of my own research on the historical Jesus, based on early Christianity. So I want to encourage you right now, start submitting your questions to me for these archaeologists, and give us give us the fastballs. Um, I love discussing this because... The great thing about the Christian faith is, unlike any other religion in the world, Christianity says you can test me against history. You can test our faith against history. That means that if the things that actually occurred did, we can see evidence of that from material culture. And guess what? We absolutely see that thanks to the science of biblical archaeology. So next weekend, by the way, we're going to have a live audience. In addition to all of you listening right now across Faith Radio Network and listening later on the podcast, we're going to have several people joining us in the auditorium submitting questions as well. You're going to hear it, too. So it's going to be a wonderful time. Friends, I just want to say it's so great to have this opportunity to minister to you in partnership with Faith Radio Network. Let me encourage you, encourage you to be a Christian thinker. Love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and let your light shine for him as you go out, out and serve him this week. This is your host, Jeremiah Johnston. Join us next time for an exciting episode on the Jeremiah Johnston Show.
Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from The Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.